Hello, friends, and welcome back to the To the Heights podcast, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network on social justice. My name is Olivia Colombo, and I am a young Catholic changemaker, journalist, and soon-to-be social worker. Last week's episode had to do with being a journalist, as I shared an investigative story I wrote about chronic veteran homelessness in Boston. But this week, though it has a similar tone, has to do with becoming a social worker. As many of you know, I am now in a dual degree program with theology at Boston College. Though I'm still an undergrad, I am starting to work on my master's in social work, which I'm hoping to receive the year after I graduate with my bachelor's. This semester, I was presented with an assignment that could be a paper, a creative project, a video, or a podcast for my class, Rethinking Diversity, Systems of Oppression and Privilege. Being the podcaster that I am, it's not surprising that I picked a podcast. But I didn't just pick it because I thought it would be fun or easy for me. And I'm not just sending it in to my class or to my professor. I decided that I'm going to put it up live as this week's episode because it's important. It's really important, especially for this show's listeners, young Catholics who are interested in social justice. It's important for all of us. Not just because of what I'm going to say, but because of what I'm going to leave unsaid. Because I don't know, or I can't say, or I'm not there yet. I'm going to say things wrong, and I'm open to that. This podcast is on racism. And specifically, I am going to be looking ahead toward being a Catholic social worker, so it's on racism in our modern church, and in our country right now. Now that is much too big of a topic to cover in one episode. So we're just going to try and scratch the surface a little bit, with some self-awareness, an authentic reflection from me, on my own status with the subject, some critical analysis on the matter, and then an action plan for myself, and hopefully for listeners. My hope is to brain dump resources that have been on my mind and heart, things that I've read and loved, or things that I plan to read or listen or watch. I hope to share with listeners how I've grown in this class and in my social work education thus far, and how much more I want to grow. I want to start with a story. It revolves around a parking lot and a small town's police force. A friend of mine, Father Sinisha Uluparipovich, who's a Bosnian immigrant and a Boston priest, recently got reassigned and became the new pastor at a brand new parish collaborative in Medway and Millis, Massachusetts. He took some of us from Hingham's Life Teen program along with him to fill empty holes in the staff. I got brought along doing communications and design for the new collaborative. I was redesigning the bulletin a few weeks ago and I needed pictures of the parish in Millis, which I had only been to once before as I was working out of the office in Medway. The only other time I had been there was at night. Us young women had been working all day in the office, and some of our friends came up to have dinner with us. We got takeout, and we soon learned how incredibly creepy old, unfamiliar church buildings are after dark, as I am sitting in the dark in the Catholic TV studio. That is besides the point. We decided to park it in the Millis parking lot and to eat in the car. We left the lights on and we locked the doors. We laughed so much that it hurt and it was exactly what we needed after a long week at a new parish. Then headlights came around the corner 
from the back of the church. A police car. Okay, not that unusual for police officers to patrol church parking lots. I've seen it before. Then another one behind the first. And before we know it, they've surrounded us and blocked our car in. Their arrangement and how quickly they approached us did not mirror the friendly, are you girls lost? Do you need anything? That followed. It was all a little strange, as they had already run our plates by the time they got to us. We explained that we work at this church and that we were fine, and they left. And I kept thinking about how all the car lights were on. They could see that we were four young girls, 19 and 20 years old, eating salads, dressed in our office attire. I brought up to these girls, who were some of my closest friends, how I was connecting it to my diversity class, and wondering how differently it could have gone if we didn't look the way that we did. And if anything, I was thankful for the experience, being able to experience a small fraction of the fear and discomfort that comes along with that. Flash forward to about a week ago. I was standing in the same church parking lot for the second time, this time in broad daylight, with my camera in hand. I had noticed driving through Millis that there was an abundance of Blue Lives Matter signs with the town police force logo on them. And here I was, taking a look at the church through my camera's viewfinder, and there's one of those signs in the front lawn. A wave of confusion and anger, helplessness, fear, it's not that big of a deal, and a whole bunch of other emotions that were impossible to tease out from one another washed over me. My face got hot. It's just a sign. Why am I feeling this way? I lowered my camera and just looked at the church. It was white, wood, weathered, old, small. But the whirlwind was still consuming inside of me. I was thinking about my upbringing on the predominantly white South Shore, my undoubtedly racist Catholic school that had a grand total of two black families in my whole time there. My understanding that the police force in this town are probably good people, and yes, we should support them and love them. They also kind of scared me a few weeks ago. Also, I was thinking about knowing the heart of Jesus in that church who loves so tenderly versus an earthly church that twists and distorts, and also the difference between good Catholics who embody social justice and racial justice with examples no less than Pope Francis, but then also the people who worship in this church and in so many places who know nothing beyond this white, conservative, Christian farm town. And is that really their fault? In a TED Talk on our syllabus, Verna Myers says, quote, stop trying to be good people. We need to be real people. And part of the tornado inside of me an unironic word choice, given that a tornado went down that street mere hours later, and hopefully took the sign with it, was this sentiment that I've been praying with, journaling with, thinking I was saving for a nice refugecatholic.org blog post. It's the sentiment that I'm really sorry that I cannot see your trauma right now because I am blinded by my own, and I wish it wasn't that way. Around the time that George Floyd was murdered, and important voices started to break through into mainstream media, I so badly wanted to feel it, to mourn with Black Catholics, 
to cry, to feel angry, to do something. I had ideas about podcasts and people to interview. Didn't feel like enough. But this is a social justice podcast after all, and I hated that I was staying silent on this platform. But I was, especially then, and still now, dealing with my own emotional healing, mental illness, and trauma. It's not an excuse, and two traumas should never be compared. But detaching from one's own emotions is protective. I was protecting myself from myself, which didn't help when I wanted to feel the anger and passion that others were feeling. I wish I could turn off my own trauma to feel that of others. I couldn't get angry, and I wanted to send a message to the world saying, hey, don't take it personally. I can't get angry about anything right now. But sitting in a class that I'm taking at the School of Theology and Ministry about evil and deliverance was pretty healing. We talk a lot about racism, refugees, immigrants, politics. I sit there and I look through the classroom's glass door into the hallway and I see a Black Lives Matter poster on the bulletin board. And I think to myself, this is our church. That belongs here. That whole movement belongs here. And it'll be there when I'm ready to feel it. Or maybe just for now I can be more dialectical about it and I can feel both. I did feel some things in the time after George Floyd was murdered. I felt annoyed by hashtag Blackout Tuesday, where white people were muting themselves to funnel attention to black voices, but instead just clogged up everyone's feeds with black squares that distracted from black voices. I watched in solidarity as black Catholics and white Catholics, and other friends in Catholic media, used their platforms for good. For example, Katie Prejean McGrady interviewed a series of black voices on her podcast Ave Explores. Then, in a few weeks' time, Catholics, like so much of the rest of the world, stopped dropped out of the race toward being anti-racist. Which is partially why I reflect on this now. Perhaps to rekindle, definitely to look back and reflect. Also so it isn't drowned out and felt like an obligation in Catholic media. So I've made a list. It's disjointed, but again, there's nothing I can do to do justice to the heartache, the lives lost, and the injustice and pain that is felt in this moment in time. This is a list of reflections, resources, things I've loved about the class I'm taking on diversity at BC, and also my plan for action. My hope is that for me and for listeners, something in this list will sound of interest to you, a book or a video, and you can go there to learn more and then to just keep learning. Okay, first resource is unapologetically this podcast to the heights. I have had woefully few people of color on this show, and I am working to change that. There are two episodes and related resources in particular that I want to touch on. Meyer Chambers is at the top of that list. He's the campus minister for music ministry and the liturgy arts group at Boston College. He is a light of a human being in all aspects. He's won so many awards for being outstanding among black faculty at BC. He was on the podcast right before quarantine in March. It's a really good episode, but I wanted to highlight two other things from him. 
He's leading the charge with campus ministry and they are charged toward being anti-racist. And they started a social media video series called Preaching from Sister Thea's Kitchen, named after Sister Thea Bowman, who spoke a ton about racism. I'll link the series in the show notes. Meyer does the first episode. Also, Meyer's Parish, St. Catherine Drexel in Boston, is a fabulous example of what anti-racism looks in a parish. The parishioners are mostly black, and they have an incredible racial justice committee, who I'm sure if you ever wanted to start something similar at your parish, they would be 100% willing to help out. I got to know their racial justice committee at the Archdiocese of Boston Social Justice Convocation last year, which I was covering as a correspondent for the Boston Pilot. The Social Justice Convocation was so authentic and real and messy about the issues that this world faces and how we, mainly white people, are part of the problem. The Convocation is happening virtually on November 7th this year, and it is focusing on racial injustice. And I urge you, Catholic, not Catholic, Christian, not religious, spiritual, go. Please go. It's only a few hours this year, and it will be via Zoom. Details will be in the show notes. The second To The Heights episode that is of relevance here is two weeks ago, we talked to Sean Forrest, the founder of Haiti 180, an organization that has an orphanage, a school, a clinic, and elderly homes in the mountains of Haiti. Lots of young Christians, particularly in high school, have had the quintessential experience of going on a voluntourism mission trip and taking pictures holding black babies for a week. But I'd like to think that Haiti 180 and the trips that they run are slightly different. Not perfect by any means, but mostly not perfect because of the organization, but rather those of us, the flawed individuals that go to visit them. I wish that our trip leaders, also white individuals from the South Shore of Massachusetts, could have led us to have hard conversations, even if it was just reflecting upon what it was like to reverse the roles and feel what it was to be the only white people in a 50-mile radius. I wish that we had sat with that discomfort and been able to identify and name it. One question that I've learned to ask this semester is a hard question. In terms of nonprofits, do you mean a community partner or do you mean a colonizer? Let that sink in. Community partner or colonizer? I really appreciate people like Sean, who show us what the mission is all about at Haiti 180. It's about raising up the next leaders of Haiti through Haitians. It's about empowering. And currently, there is not a single white person down at Haiti 180. Sure, Sean and his team gave them the first push and the resources and help financially. But Sean would say, not really. It's all about those people, their strength, their resilience, their dedication. Episode 38 of To the Heights is where you can hear more from Sean on that. Also on the subject of Haiti, it's important to recognize for me that my modern relationship with the country, the people, the language, my difficulty to learn the language, it's all tainted by systemic racism. Colonization by white people just melted and morphed and faded into the current situation where Haiti has been kicked to the curb by white countries of the world. If someone asks what my favorite book of all time is, I would answer The Big Truck That Went By, by Jonathan Katz. It's a work of narrative journalism about the earthquake and the systems of oppression that led up to it 
and made it so much worse than it ever needed to be. It's narrated by a white AP journalist who survived the earthquake and its aftermath. It's called The Big Truck That Went By by Jonathan Katz. It is so, so good. Look up his journalism and also his newsletter. I got to interview him for a talk that he gave when I was on Dr. Jane Goodall's National Youth Leadership Council. And he is an incredibly talented speaker and author. And he is a white voice that we should look to. Brian Stevenson is another author who has rocked my world of late. I read his book, Just Mercy, for a social justice literature class I took in the spring. I devoured it. Even if you've seen the movie, please, please read the book. Also this semester, we watched his TED Talk, um, which was so, so good as well. One out of nine people on death row is innocent. That is an insane statistic, and it makes me want to jump up and get to work now. Catholics, as it says in our catechism, are against the death penalty, and I think we need to show that, show that we believe that more often. This semester, I've also recognized my privilege, my white privilege, in learning so many things that I was comfortable in not learning before. I wrote down a quote in my notebook, and I wish I wrote down who said it, though I think it might have been our professor. It's on white guilt. Quote, you didn't ask to be born white but we're all victims of a system. This semester I've learned about race biology, something that I had the privilege to have never had to think about before. Race biology is not science. There is more diversity in a flock of penguins than there are across races and humans, according to a podcast called Seeing White on Scene on Radio, season two, episode two. Also highly recommend if you're interested in race biology. On the topic of movies and TVs, 13th is a documentary must-see. When They See Us, a Netflix documentary, is also something that has been highly rated that I want to reflect on a little bit, and I'm not done reflecting. It came up suggested for me on Netflix a few days ago, and when I clicked on it, I guess at some point in time I had already watched episode one. I don't remember doing that. I was multitasking as usual and tried re-watching that first episode, but I got bored again, and I thought about it. It is an insane privilege to be allowed to be bored by it. Am I distancing myself from it by not giving it my full attention? Maybe it just isn't my favorite TV show or style or whatever. I'm not a big TV person. Or is there something more? Is it once again my trauma, my hurt? It's too much. It hurts too much, and there's already too much that hurts in my life. What's really happening there? Maybe I should give it another try. Now for some more concrete things that I am planning to actually do. I have a book that I just ordered that I'm quite excited for it to come at the recommendation of a different social work class called The Harris Narratives, an introspective study of a transracial adoptee. It's on its way, and I will let you all know how it is. Something that I have honestly been struggling with since taking the official leap into studying social work is reconciling my faith with not social work as a whole, but atmosphere around being a social worker and interacting with other modern social workers. In theory, the heart of what the Catholic faith is supposed to be about has no contradiction and is perfectly in line with social work ethics. 
However, I'm finding that my stance on issues like abortion is more compassionate, though still unwavering, than my Catholic conservative peers, but it's still, on the other side of things, seen as archaic and oppressive by my social work peers. I've found moments of common ground, like we listened to Crenshaw's Intersectionality Matters podcast, and she was dispelling the awful statement that black women's wombs produce poverty. A place of common ground for both pro-choice and pro-life is the eugenics surrounding abortion. There are five times more abortions of black babies than there are of white. In New York City, more black babies are aborted than born alive. Those stats are from Students for Life of America, which I don't always agree with how they approach this. I think more compassion is always necessary. But their numbers are usually well-researched. Anyways, something concrete that I want to do to further my social work career development is to talk to other social workers of faith about these conflicting feelings. I have a few people in mind. I just need to start these dialogues. Because it's important. In line with viewing how colonization remains in the form of systemic racism in institutions, I want to take a deeper look into why the church still has white auxiliary bishops in non-white countries. For example, Bishop Reed, a wonderful man, the president of Catholic TV, um, is the auxiliary bishop of the West region of Boston, but also he has two dioceses under his control in Africa. There are no Catholics in these regions, which is why he has them, and if there were to be Catholics, they would be handed off to another local auxiliary bishop there. But I have this new little investigative journalism project rolling out of Catholic TV soon, Um, And I think that digging deeper into the reason why the Catholic Church still does this is going to be a topic of investigation. Speaking of Catholic TV, I have a bigger role here this school year, and I'm now in charge of uploading all of Grexley's podcasts. I have always loved Tommy Ty's podcast, The St. Dymphna's Playbook. Um, He's a marriage and family therapist, and he, two episodes ago now, um, he talked about black mental health. I haven't listened, but since I uploaded it, I read the description, and now I think I really should take a listen. My next point on my list, Tamika Malaroy. She is an activist I was introduced to in this class. Listen to anything she says, follow her on social media, watch her videos. You can't help but feel the feelings that I've been having such a hard time feeling. I was a youth activist um, in my teenage years, and I looked up to and I followed and I knew other white activists. So now that I'm a little bit past that activist stage, I am looking back to support other youth activists um, and also just follow more diverse activists. Maybe, just maybe, Tamiko would make an incredible podcast guest. There are two books that I'm planning on reading that I'm gonna put on my action plan and that I'll end with. One is White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism by Robin D'Angelo. And then also, Me and White Supremacy, Combat Racism, Change the World, and Become a Good Ancestor by Layla Saif. We listened to her talk about the book in NPR's interview with her and she said something that resonated with me. Quote, this work has to undo you. It has to break your heart. Reminds me of a song lyric, break my heart for what breaks yours, Lord. My heart is broken for a lot of reasons. This 
racial injustice, the horrors of our modern world, are one of the reasons. It's a privilege that it's not breaking a bigger part of my heart. I recognize that. But as I heal, I make room for others' hurt to move in more. I make room to grieve, to grieve for the world. Maybe for now that parish in Millis make room for a Black Lives Matter sign next to the Blue Lives Matter sign. Maybe we can love both for now. And then maybe eventually we can take out the Blue Lives Matter sign. And then I pray someday we won't need either. Thank you all for listening to this special episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you take away some resources to listen to. We are back to our Monday morning schedule and we will have a guest next week. So be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts um, so you can tune in next Monday. As always, you can find this podcast and all the other Grexley podcasts on grexley.com. You can also find our merch and Patreon there if you feel called to support this media endeavor. If you have a guest recommendation, please, more guests of color, um, send it our way at grexley.com slash to the heights in the contact form or email us directly at to the heights podcast at gmail.com. Additionally, if you have any questions for me about social justice, anything we've talked about this season, or just life, send it in for our next Ask Olivia episode, also using to the heights podcast at gmail.com. I hope you all are well. I hope you take care of yourself after listening to this. This is hard. This is hard work. Um, but I hope you're well in this crazy time. I will talk to you next week and keep on reaching to the heights.